And this is Hysterionics, the home of honest conversations about the highs, lows, and occasional hysterics of building positive work cultures led by truly amazing leaders. Listen, laugh, and frankly, let rip at us if you want to. There is absolutely no standing on ceremony here. This week, we look at the harsh realities and the fresh opportunities presented by COVID-19 in the workplace as talent and culture leaders face and embrace a new normal. Hello, I'm Tom Crawford. And I'm Clancy Murphy. So Clancy, what did you think of my logo? I love the logo, Tom. <clears throat> I like the idea of a roller coaster. It, it really sort of sums up what this is all about, uh, both for us personally, actually, the roller coaster ride of doing this, but also the, the, the subject. So I think it's a great image. I love the retro feel to it as well. Uh, yeah, for me, this podcast feels like it's been a long time coming. You and I have both been to those conferences where we've seen a lot of case studies. Um, there's only ever perfection and wonderful metrics described in those case studies. And we know oh, yes. the reality. Oh, yes. we've been <laughs> <laughs> and we've all muttered to ourselves, that's not true. That's not true. It didn't work <laughs> that like didn't that. Because <laughs> largely we know somebody that works there. Um, so this is going to be really honest. It's, the editing may be awful. Uh, the conversation will be free and jolly. Uh, but we want to try some really thorny issues and uh, get discussions on the table. So Clancy will be joining me uh, on and off uh, as a, a wonderful co-presenter. Uh, Clancy's day job, uh, you are a CPO, aren't you, Clancy, for a very I exciting am. global organization. I am, and it's a title which I absolutely love. But Tom, I know you love my title too. Yeah, well, I'm not a big Star Wars fan, but whenever I think CPO, I always think of the uh, the sort of gold shiny robot thing from um, from Star Wars. But I think that's C3PO. But if you want to be C3PO, you can be. Well, and then when you first said, ho, ho, Star Wars, I I'm also not a Star Wars fan, but helpfully I live with three very big Star Wars fans and they filled me in. I quite like the idea of being C3PO. I think from what I've been told, Tom, he was quite clever. Well, does that make me the little dustbin, the, the sort of the little dustbin? You can on, be the on round one that things. squeaks a lot. Okay, <laughs> that's probably not far from the truth. That's I get words, you just get sound. <laughs> so, Tom, um, I am intrigued. Where did the idea for this podcast come from? Well, the honest answer is it's been a long time brewing. Uh, it came from a number of people that know me well, yourself included. And when coronavirus hit, I I stayed at home. I stopped flying around the world doing my things like facilitating conferences and, and away days, which is one of the things that I do. And I miss the connection. I miss the interaction with people and uh, feeding off and into people. So I really hope that this will drive some debate. I hope it will drive it in a refreshing way. But for me, and I think we should go on and talk about this a bit later on, and I'd be interested in your views, both professionally and outside of work. The world that we left with coronavirus, the world that we shuttered up, won't be the world that we go back to when we bring the shutters back up again. And it's going to be a while. And so, you know, you and I talk a lot about culture in our day jobs, and that's, that's what puts bread on the table in my house and is my passion. And I think we're going to have to talk very differently and openly and bravely about the world that we're going back to. 
I think that the world we're going back to, people will have new ways of working. They will have tasted the wonders and the challenges of home working. They will have done a lot of personal soul searching and a lot of personal reflection around what the world means to them. They will have had some difficult challenges and conversations with their family. Uh, they will have gone through a lot of mourning and a lot of pain. And so I think now is the right time to have a different conversation around leadership and organizational culture, if I'm really honest. Tell me a bit about your overall vision, though, for the podcast, because this isn't just about coronavirus, is it? No, not at all. Uh, for me, it's about bringing in people who aren't necessarily HR leaders or talent leaders, but uh, lead organizations, different organizations, uh, NGOs, uh, FTSE 10, FTSE 250, like yours, uh, charities, and bring them in to give a different perspective and put a different lens on the world of leadership, organizational culture, and talent. And unashamedly, above that, I want us to be able to have a laugh uh, at ourselves, <laughs> at the world in which we find ourselves, and at the challenges we face. And Do you know, Tom, and that was the hook for me, that, that was... The, the idea that we can talk about some really serious stuff, some stuff that you and I do in our day jobs, which it often is, is really important in an organisation, but we can do it with some humour. And I, I, you know, for me, that, that's what, that was the hook to do the podcast. Uh, let's have some fun with it too. Yeah, and I think, I think Lancy, that you know, we've talked for years as a profession or people on the, on the edges of this profession that you know, we're going to humanise the organisation. Uh, we're going to allow people to bring themselves to work. Um, and we've done some good stuff in that field, but I think what coronavirus has held a mirror up to is that we haven't gone far enough, fast enough. And therefore, leadership capability, those that influence and shape leaders, the role of the C3PO and the senior <laughs> HR leader is really going to be challenged. And I think we'd be fools if we went back and just did exactly what we'd done before. And moreover, I don't think it will work and so we're going to get a twitter feed there's going to be uh, there is a twitter handle which is at hysterionics uh there is a website for the the podcast and i want people to talk ask questions challenge say tom clancy neil neil is uh, another good friend of mine who has recently set up a a communication business in the middle of coronavirus. He's going to help me uh, lead the discussion as well. I want them to challenge us and ask us and say, well, frankly, that was a load of rubbish. That, you know, I don't agree. You, you're talking out of your bottom on, on that one. Or yeah, can we have more of X, Y, and Z? And Clancy, I'm going to need you because uh, you've known me a long time and uh, I'm a corporate dropout and proud of it. So I'm not always the most politically correct or reverential person. And uh, so I need you to rein me in sometimes. And can you remember when we were on that leadership development course, which required uh, a, sh a short sleeve T-shirt, and you saw that I had an enormous tattoo, <laughs> and your face, yes, and I your do face, remember. I remember. <laughs> it was in Chicago, and and your face and your expression was, oh my God, Tom, what on earth were you thinking? I will probably need you to do that on numerous occasions on this podcast. Yeah, because you know, nobody in their right mind or when they're sober has an artichoke tattooed on their upper <laughs> It's not an artichoke. It's not. We've had this conversation. <laughs> I'm not going to tell the people at home what it is, but it's not an artichoke. It's an artichoke. It's an artichoke. 
So, Tom, I'm intrigued. What can we expect from this very first episode of the Hysterionics podcast? So, the format we're going to follow today and uh, in weeks to come is you and I will have a good debate uh, and some banter around a subject which is very current, uh, linked and related to and impacting the world of talent. We will then have a special guest who may be a HR or talent leader or a leader of a business uh, and talk to them about their career and uh, what is bothering them and what they're working on at the moment. And the idea is that people will use Twitter and the website to suggest guests that they would like to hear from. Uh, subjects that they would like to be covered and uh, as the audience ship is that a word I don't know grows over the weeks and months to come we will I think it's followership to Tom. it's followership is it, is followership. it followership? That's what we're that sounds like a cult Clancy that makes me it is, uh, yes that the cult of hysterionics you, although I am, I am broadcasting from the middle of a forest, so it would be a great place for a cult to, uh, to exist. No, what I would love is for people to uh, pose questions and challenges that we can also discuss um, when you and I get together. So that's it. That sounds fantastic. That really sounds I'm, I'm really excited to get going. Shall we, shall we start off with this first episode then? Yeah. So I want to ask you, as the talent leader, as the CPO of a really cool organization, I diverse organization uh, that covers manufacturing and uh, amazing science and thinking uh, around the world. What, what's happened? You know, since approximately the 9th of March, coronavirus went nuclear. What, you know, it's unprecedented in, in, in our professional lives and our personal lives. What, what's it been like? Just tell me what's and all. It's, um, it's been a really weird five weeks, six weeks. So this really kicks off, as you said, here in the UK, 8th, 9th, 10th of March is when we started to really feel, gosh, there's, there's an impact for this. Um, and uh, you look back over the last five or six weeks and it feels like a year. Um, I don't have feels for you. Um, to me, it feels like this has been going on forever. It's, it's, we've got, I've got a weird uh, sense of time. I haven't got a sense of time. I, I don't actually know which day is which. And it feels like a never ending, you know, that's sort of around Boxing Day between Christmas Day and New Year when you haven't got yeah, a clue yeah. and you think you've eaten too much. Um, it feels a bit like that. Yeah, and the eating too much thing. Yeah, that, that's definitely kicked in. <laughs> so, so, so what's been going on at work? So with that context, yeah, this weird, weird time, looking back, you can see how weird it's been. In the very early stages, uh, it was one of those moments that you, you do sometimes get when you're a leader, but they're, they're few and far between. And this one was a moment of truth. The organisation was looking to a small group of leaders whether they're the executive team, which includes myself and my executive colleagues, or the leaders of each of our business divisions, for answers which didn't exist. Yeah. The, the, the exam question we'd been set at that point had no answers, and because there were too many variables. So uh, overnight, my world went from this wonderful job, which I completely love, uh, looking at how we uh, move our organization forward. There was a lot of organization design involved. There was a lot of structures involved. There was looking at professionalizing and creating a really fabulous organization that was growing uh, to uh, a sort of crisis response. Yeah. So that, that's what changed overnight. Uh, that, that focus completely changed from big blue skies driving forward. Actually, we'd had a very successful year last year to uh, very acute, uh, acute planning. We're in crisis. Something very challenging is, is about to hit us. 
So that, did, did that you, focus changed. Did you feel a sense of inertia? I mean, I, I, I worked for myself and I had, you know, I had trips all over the world planned. I was supposed to be going to Australia with a client. I was supposed to be going to Africa with another client. I had a huge sense of inertia, just like, whoa, you know, I felt like I'd been, I almost had mental whiplash. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say that. And that, that has been a very common response. I have to say my own personal experience, that's not what happened to me. Right. Uh, in fact, almost the opposite. Okay. I think in the role that I have, uh, it was the opposite of inertia. It was suddenly full on. Now, my job is pretty full on anyway. You know that. And I'm, yeah. I'm someone that quite likes a, a big full diary. So my, my job has always been full on. But overnight, it became even more full on, but in a completely different direction. I suppose whiplash, I really like that idea because it was like we sort of pivoted 90 degrees and yeah. very, very quickly. But the, the momentum and the velocity accelerated. It didn't decelerate. So this idea that... Uh, the organization then looks to its leaders uh, yep. for answers that don't exist. So how do you cope with that? And I'm, uh, I, you know, I, I trained an accountant, so uh, I quite like structure and order. I'm not always very good at it, but I quite like it. I find comfort in it. <laughs> you, you are uh, you very, know good very good at it, it. And it's comparative to <laughs> self. So um, no false modesty. My view in these things is, is the very first thing you need to do is create some level of structure, uh, yep. even when there are so many unknowns. And the structure that we have is the structure that, you know, a lot of organizations have you know, business continuity plans, crisis management teams. So the very first thing to do is to make the decision to activate those teams. And that's the chief executive's decision, uh, guided by uh, his, his, his leadership team. And once you've done that, you, you're starting then to utilize a structure which you've already planned for. And that provides a level of comfort. But you have to tell people that's what you've done. So the first thing was structure. The second thing was transparency. To say to the organization, this is going to be challenging it's going to be tough. We have a structure that will help us get through it. Right. We don't yet have a plan, but we do have a structure. So be, take comfort that, that we're prepared. We've, we've done planning. We have a structure. So those two things, you set the structure and be transparent. I suppose the third thing that comes along is, and communicate, you know, that yeah. thing about telling the organization. So, so let me ask, what level of transparency are we talking about? How brutally honest were you with the organization? So uh, my, my view always is that you have to be honest. Um, you can't scare the horses, but you do have to be honest. Uh, so, I mean, there's no point in going out going, shit, we don't know what's going on. <laughs> Everyone panic. But don't worry, we've got a structure. I mean, you can't handle it that way, can you? But what you can say is, look, this is unprecedented. This hasn't happened to the world before in the way that we think it's going to happen. So uh, you can't go out and go, everyone panic. But what you can say is, look, it's okay. We have business continuity plans. We have a really good leadership structure in the organization. And, and actually... When you reflect back, you say those are the things that became really important, the structures yeah. we had in place. So we've got uh, MDs and presidents who head up each of our business units. There's 10 globally. Um, they are very well connected. We have a good drumbeat for communication discussion with them. We have an executive committee uh, who sit in their head office uh, who are very well connected. We have a regular drumbeat for communication. We have a, a chief exec who is, has this uncanny ability to focus on what's important. Yeah. And, and he, yeah, he was saying structure let's use the structure we got let's use the drum do we need to create a new drumbeat and we did we created a new drumbeat with the crisis management team and the decision was we will meet every day we'll meet every day at one o'clock for seven days a week and we will talk about what's going on and we will share out via these networks which already existed so to the mds and the presidents and up to the chief exec and out to the executive team what we are discussing and know bit of structure again so what's the template we're going to use to share back what we're discussing and who does it get shared with and what is the instruction to them about how they share it on 
So those, those, if you can put those things in place, then the content becomes whatever the content needs to be. Yeah. But you have this structure, and that that is super important. See, see, I think I think that you know, without blowing smoke up your bum, um, this coronavirus is really. St- sticking a lens on the wheat and the chaff when it comes to things like organizational leadership, uh, organizational communication. And that's not to say that it's the the difference between wheat and chaff is those that are getting it right and those that are getting it wrong, because nobody can get this right all of the time because it is so unprecedented. I think what it's doing is showing those leaders who are able to drive a sense of belief, drive a sense of purpose, uh overnight in organizations that are as you know as you pointed out are looking to them for answers to questions that don't exist and the questions may be different tomorrow so so open communication uh leadership team working together i mean these are all the things that we talk about in the good times (laughs) you know and and this will be i think this will be forever the case study not you specifically, but the the societal incident that says, okay, how were we prepared? And if you can prepare for a coronavirus, you can prepare for anything in the good times. I I want to talk about what do we think it's going to be like going back? Um, I think we're going to have a different workforce. We're going to have a workforce that very likely will have lost friends and family members. Uh, I think there will be that sense of mourning. I, as the coronavirus mutates and starts to, you know, it's not just old people, it's not just people with underlying health issues. You know, I was, I was saying to David, my long suffering husband the other day, um, you know, it feels like there's this weird black mist out there that's just hiding around the corner waiting to get us. You know, we're going to, we're going to come back to work with a different mindset, a different attitude, and even a different set of beliefs because I, I think a lot of people as they work from home and are avoiding this thing, they've got a, a sort of osodic attitude you know work isn't everything to me that it that it used to be what, what do you think people are going to be like coming back well there's a number of things in there to unpick um so we're really struggling at work with the language that we put around this um okay. get back to work back to normal and actually you talked early on in our conversation about actually but there is no going back because going no. back sort of means we we pick up where we left off there is no desire to pick up where we left off. All I think we're all going to be changed as human beings. Do you not yes. feel changed? Completely I feel changed. changed. I've had conversations yeah, with my parents that I never thought I'd have to have about, you know, the rest of their lives. And, you know, are they going to have to, if they do go out, are they going to have to wear masks? And, you know, do they call an ambulance in the middle of the night if they have issues with one of their underlying health issues because they're scared to go to hospital? So I think we'll all be changed. But sorry, I interrupted we'll you. We'll be massively changed. But no, you, I think you're absolutely right. And, if we go back to something like the 2008 financial crisis, that really was about organizations and finances. Now, there's a huge human impact of that yeah. as a result of what happened in organizations. This is the other way around. This is about the impact on humans and therefore how that impacts on an organization. And therefore, how we respond as, as restrictions start to get lifted and, and the worst of this starts to pass yeah. will be a human response, not an organizational response. That is completely different to what we've done before. Um, so what was so tangibly, and I know it's maybe a bit soon and you maybe haven't worked through your thinking on this, what, how will that manifest itself in the workplace? You've got all these people that have been through a life experience. They've, some will have changed their views and attitudes to their psychological contract with work. What, what do we need? What, what are you going to need to do? 
Well, it goes back to structure, Tom. So you need to, my view, you create three lenses. So you need a plan for how we're going to come out of this. And you start with the, the bones of the plan and then you add the human overlay. So let's start with the bones. And the bones of the plan are, you have to work with whatever the local or state regulations are. We can't suddenly decide here in leafy Hampshire that we're all going to go out and use the local shop if the government is saying social distancing, nothing can open. So you have, you have to work with, with local and state and government guidance. That's the first thing. So understanding what that is and making sure you're communicating out to your workforce in all the different locations yeah, that we are working with the government regulation and actually helping them understand what it is. And we had um, new guidance from the UK government overnight last night that anyone traveling to work can now get a test for coronavirus. So how are we going to work with that? You know, what, what does that actually mean for us as an organisation? So, so the first thing is to look at the government regulation. Uh, so that, that sets your framework, your timescale and, and your requirement. And then you overlay with that. Okay, so what's happened to each part of the organisation? Some bits of our organisation have been massively impacted by this. We have one part of our organisation, a non-manufacturing part, uh, where overnight uh, the 600 odd people in that business, of whom probably 10% usually work from home, 99% now work from yeah, home. Yeah. So they had a huge impact. But we've got other parts of our business which are manufacturing. You can't manufacture what we manufacture at home. And so a very, very small proportion of people had a change in working conditions. So you have to yeah. keep an eye on that. But the third lens, which is the most important one, is and what's happened to our people. And, and you have to take it at an individual level. You know, the bunch of people that used to work in an office and now working from home, how is that for them? Is that something we want to continue? What's the impact on the organization? Well, that's one thing. But actually the bigger impact is how is it for them? Do they want to stay working from home? So that, that's that lens. And then you've got what you've called the sort of the human angle. Yeah. For all of us, there has been a massive psychological impact of this. Yeah. As you said, we, we may have lost friends or loved ones. Uh, our world has turned upside down. Those of us who have children, their yeah. worlds have turned upside down. Our relationship yeah. with yeah. our families has changed. Yeah. Uh, and you talked about that, the conversations you've had with your parents. That isn't just you and I. That is all no, 3,000 people who work in my organization. We have to find a way of working through that and supporting our colleagues so that the, the, the future world, our future world that we will create at work, resonates for them. Uh, because this whole idea of engagement and people really being engaged with the workforce and creating purpose. I mean, you and I have talked about purpose a lot, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, but that purpose, I think, has changed. It and has. Actually, what we're finding in different parts of our organization is that the act of coming to work is giving people comfort. It is the, the, the mundanity yeah. of it and the normality of it is giving people comfort and that's given them a different purpose to what we thought. It's not the same for everyone, but there are pockets where that's happening. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, our whole psychological contract with work will change. Our priorities will change. Uh, wellbeing programs need to be much more uh, well thought through, much more uh, adult, adult. It's not about massages in reception. Um, I'm sorry, I'm being no, politically incorrect. Yoga in the canteen. It's, it's got to be yeah, I, of fruit on desks. It's not, no, it's not about it's, that. It's got to go way beyond that. And, you know, it's interesting what you say about the structure and the routine. I think one of the things that I found personally impacted, and I know a lot of the, my, my network, I've spoke to them about it, is we didn't realize how much routine we had in our life. We didn't realize uh, how much of a formula our life was built around going to work and fitting in the gym and, and other things. And, we've lost a lot of the mental scaffolding that holds us up. And I that's really interesting, Tom, isn't it? Because yeah. you have quite a peripatetic existence. You're a consultant, you're freelance. Yeah, to yeah. the outside world, that structure might not have been obvious, but it's been brought into sharp relief for you now. 
it wasn't obvious to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was, and that was what I meant by the inertia, which was, okay, so I do the gym X number of days a week. And you know, I do that around mental health. Uh, I'm on a plane, I'm booking flights, I'm in a hotel, which hotel I've structured. Okay. I'm going to be next to this place where I've got such and such a friend or such and such a contact. Let's have dinner. Um, and all of that, literally everything switches off overnight. And uh, so for me, what this has fired me up about is actually doing something more serious and more meaningful around mental health, because that for me is the pandemic we don't talk about. That was there beforehand. Uh, boy, is it going to be there in spades, buckets, bulldozers, whatever metaphor you like, once we pull the shutters back up again on, on the workplace and society. And, I think I think you're absolutely yeah. right, and and as an organisation, we have a responsibility around that. And and I I could feel a, a a podcast simply on this subject, Tom, coming on. Uh, but I think what bringing it back to so what what are we thinking about at work? Uh, this idea of creating structure. There's comfort in structure. People know what's coming, even if they don't know what's going to happen as a result of the next meeting or the next communication. They know it's coming. And the the thing that's occurred to me in my in my chief people officer role is we have to make sure we've got all the basics done brilliantly at times like this people don't want to be worrying about whether their payslip was accurate or whether they're they've taken the wrong level of holiday yeah. or they've, they've misinterpreted sickness rules or so we have to get the basic contract around the proposition of work done brilliantly so it's understandable and it's clear and it's transparent so people can understand it and work in it very easily and then it gives us the opportunity to layer on top of it the support systems and and the other considerations because actually people's mental health will improve if they just understand what's going on at work if that's that an becomes an element point. of normalcy that's and it's point. super important and what it we've is. uncovered through this and i'm sure a lot of my colleagues in similar roles have uncovered is that when you make the work situation the, the proposition of work complicated not the work you're doing but the the method of engaging with work too complicated it creates stress and that stress is something we just don't need at the moment so we need to make it a very simple proposition not simple because people are stupid but simple because it becomes easy to understand it's easy to work within so i, I call it brilliant basics have we got the brilliant basics of the proposition of employment right in every part of our business because that will give comfort that gives structure people know where they are they know what they're doing that gives us something to build on and that in itself will improve the levels of anxiety and stress in the business. I think it's, so, do you know what? I hadn't thought about that. And it's so important because seemingly simple things that we would normally deal with and go, oh, that's a bit of a bugger. I better get to that at some point. We, we are living in this sense of heightened stress and heightened, oh my God, where is this going? I mean, some days I'm super organized and I power through an amazing to-do list. And sometimes I just sit there staring into space going, what the hell? Uh, and the light came on on my dashboard of my car the other day. And normally I'd be like, that's annoying. And all of a sudden it, it created this disproportionate sense of anxiety about, well, is the garage open? When will the garage be open? What happens if the car breaks down? What happens if I can't get out to do my weekly once a week go out the house shopping trip? And so you're right. Things like pay slips and yep. uh, the brilliant basics have a heightened sense of responsibility. Okay, I think now would be a good time for an info break. Here's Neil with some advice and also a flavour of what we will be covering in episode two of Hysterionics. So 
So, Tom, for the next podcast, we're going to be discussing, probing, dissecting, call it what you will, two challenges that leaders face, which are so important during these times. Internal communications has never been so important, and the need for leaders to not only keep people up to speed on the direction of travel of an organization, but get the most out of people who are working at home. How easy is it for leaders to drive positivity in these times of uncertainty? Can cascading communications in an emotive and compassionate way be achieved by all leaders and managers when it really doesn't come easy for some? The other area we're going to explore is an organization's values, which in today's conditions are really being stretched. If you have a long list of values that include words such as innovation and honesty, are you actually living them today? Or is the pandemic driving and evolving your values because you haven't been able to pivot and create things like ventilators with your teams? So does that mean you really are acting out innovation as a value? Or given the organization is having to furlough talent and probably lay people off, have you been transparent with this and really honest about it? So think about how you are communicating and cascading messages to people. Give leaders coaching and even templates to land a consistent message. And with values, is it time you bench tested them and involved your people in the exercise to ensure they are really authentic? This will also provide the opportunity for leaders to improve engagement right now. And given that people are in their virtual workplaces, this can't be a bad thing, right? And that was Neil Griffiths, who will be joining me next time. My guest this week is a lady I've known a long time. Ali Sparks is the global head of talent across the entire ADECO group. And she spoke to me earlier this week from her home just outside Zurich. So, Ali, welcome. Uh, I think the first thing I'd like you to do is just very quickly describe ADECO, because there's more to that organization than meets the eye. Yes, there is. So the ADECO group, um, it's, it is a group made up of multiple brands. And yep. our organization, we are the world's leader in providing HR workforce solutions. We have multiple brands, like I say, within our portfolio and our ecosystem. What, what would be an Many, example that people might know? Yeah, most people have heard, obviously, of ADECO staffing. Um, might have heard Lee Hecht Harrison. Um, they really focus on in the past around uh, outplacement services, but now have moved into more talent management and leadership development. Um, General Assembly, uh, online upskilling and reskilling, specifically in the digital space. Uh, Pontoon, which is an RPO provider, yeah. um, and many more. Okay, that's great. And Badenock and Clark as well, which uh, uh, many of us will have will have come into contact with. So Excellent. in your role as global head of talent in uh, a very well-known and established uh, employment brand, you basically look after the employment experience. Clancy and I, in the first section of this podcast, we're talking about what happens when the shutters come back up. You know, I passionately believe we won't be going back into the same workplace that we left. I passionately believe we shouldn't. What's your view on that? How do you see post-lockdown uh, post workplace? I, I think there's probably going to be different components of it. Um, initially, obviously, there's going to be a health component, um, and that's a lot of what the focus is on at the moment. So mm -hmm. making sure that um, the local offices are adhering to governmental guidelines. So that really is something that's happening local. But I think because of those health guidelines, it's going to create a really interesting experience and we can't lose sight of that. So when you walk into your 
workplace and you're having your temperature checked (laughs) or you're having to to make have keep social distancing what does that mean when you're going to the canteen to have lunch so not only are we are we needing to look at the health component but there is an experience that goes along with that and and i don't think we can underestimate that Um, obviously the initial Uh, focus right now is making sure that the guidelines and governmental stipulations are being um, adhered to. But as a HR professional, I I really want to start thinking about what is what kind of experience is that going to make. And I I think as well, I'm already seeing other organizations and ourselves look at the great things that have come out of this and what has virtual working brought to us. From a bottom line perspective, I know a lot of organizations are now looking at their real estate cost. Yep, absolutely. Um, I, I know there's, I have a number of uh, friends there in London still, and um, I caught up with them earlier last week. And a, a few of them who, who, are, who are employees of really traditional, what we would think is old school organizations, <laughs> have completely turned on a dime. Yep. And they're now getting the message, hey, Actually, unless you have a reason to come into the office and you need to justify that reason, we want you working from home now for the foreseeable future, which is just incredible, really incredible. One of the things I want to talk to you about in a second is, you know, the impact on the commercial world. Um, You know, airlines are an obvious one. I think real estate is another one, but we'll talk about that in a second. You know, I've, I've worked with organizations for a long time who've said, oh, we've got an amazing work from home policy. And where it's gone wrong is that they haven't got the organizational culture to underpin their shiny mm-hmm. new product. So mm-hmm. they are missing uh, a culture of open dialogue, a culture built around trust, and a culture where leaders make that work because uh, they set goals, they set objectives, they're clear about them, and they manage those through open dialogue. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think this means for leadership? How are leaders going to change? How do they need to change? Well, that's a big question. <laughs> There's so much wrapped in there, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think when we go, you know, like you, like you've said, when the shutters are lifted, there's going to be a whole host of complexities that we don't even know are there yet. Um, I think, you know, within in crisis, there's always opportunity. And I think every single organization is now going to be looking for new opportunities for yep. the business. They're going to have to, the speed and rate at which people are going to have to work is yep. going to be incredible. Yep. There's going to be a lot of risk management now that's a part of a leader's role. Um, there's going to be a lot of volatility. I mean, you think as well, when we go back, there's going to be a lot of people losing their jobs, unfortunately. Yep. And so for the people who remain, those leaders, they have to be a rock for those, for, for the people who are there. So I think, you know, what we're about to go back back to from a leader perspective is going to be like nothing we've ever seen. Yeah. Um, I think that what you mentioned around trust, that is going to have to be a big one, um, that leaders have got to trust their employees. Um, I think the other thing that's probably going to come out of this is that leaders don't know everything and leaders don't have the answers. <laughs> I think this is probably going to be humbling as well. I, um, I totally agree with that. I, sorry to interrupt you. I, no. 
I, I think uh, leaders, I've always said leaders need to be humble. They need to yes. walk a fine line between confidence so that their people believe in them and humility, which is I'm human and I'm credible and I'm, I'm believable for other reasons. And it is a very fine line. If you're overconfident, yep. people don't believe you. If you're too lacking in confidence, let's label it humility, uh, you don't inspire and this is just going to accelerate that journey. And I, I think some leaders aren't going to make it. I think that it's, it's going to be a control alt delete on, on many of them. I think you are spot on. I think you're absolutely spot on because I think you've got, you've got the one camp of leaders that are command and control. Yeah. And in this new world, they will not be able to command and control because I think organizations are going to be more complex. I think the, the new technologies that they're going to have to use, they aren't familiar with them, to be yeah. honest, and that's going to feel uncomfortable. Um, the, the, the type of collaboration that's going to be needed in the future is going to be very, very hard for a command and control leader to, to handle. Yeah. So I, I would assume that organizations are really going to have to push and help to, to either upskill leaders yep. or a lot of those leaders are probably going to find themselves out in the cold to be frank because it's those who can find new ways to coach and inspire their teams yep. they, there's got to be new ways to assess performance none of this is going to be dictated yet <laughs> as soon as we get back so yep. we're all going to have to figure this out as we go along um, so it's going to be those leaders that are agile, that are willing to cooperate with their teams, to collaborate, to talk to other leaders, to find out what they're doing. It's, and, and I think a lot of organizations right now are going to be making it up as they go along and find what works, find what doesn't work. And so I think as well, the, um, you know, the organizations that have a blame culture, those I think are going to have a tough time when we yep. go back. Um, and it's going to be the, the, the cultures that are collaborative, that are, you know, you can fail fast, but yep. get on with the next thing. Yep. So I, I think we're going to see a whole different world coming out of this. I think so. And one of the reasons, tell me what you think. I think as people, we've changed. I think that, uh, and I said earlier to Clancy, she and I were discussing about some of the conversations we've had to have with family that we never thought we would have. Yeah. Um, the whole well-being agenda is going to change. We're going to come back to work with a bit more of a, do you know what? Life isn't all about work. Work isn't all about life. Actually, I've re-evalued, is that a word? Reassessed, revalued, uh, evaluated. Uh, my relationship with work and what I think yeah. about it and what it's, it, it's there to do. And yeah, what, what's your views on that? Well, interestingly, um, I think, so at the ADECO group, I think our, um, our leadership has done a fantastic job at their response around COVID-19. And every week our CEO and CHRO and then other leaders have come in, um, depending on the topic, and hosted a global town hall. So we have 36,000 employees. And um, so it's, it's really impactful. But interestingly, every single town hall, people ask the CHRO and the CEO about the new ways of working yep. um, around um, virtual working. Yep. And, and there, there is an expectation of people that they are going to work differently. Similarly, people are asking questions about portfolio careers, about hybrid yep. working, about job sharing. That's amazing. So you can already see, and, and the fact actually that they are 
they, they believe so strongly about it and obviously have done so much reflection about it during this time that they're willing to put that on the table with the CEO and the CHRO. And, and that says a lot. And, and interestingly, um, even through, you know, over the weeks, the response from the CEO and the CHRO has, has changed a little bit from the standpoint that they, they see the impact that it's making. And interestingly, I think what's been, what's been really fascinating is people talking about how, how much more they've been able to get done. And as teams, things that they've been able to accomplish that would have taken them months or even years, they've been able to do in a matter of days or week. Yeah. And, I, that, I, yeah. That has, and that has really gotten people's attention to say, hang on a second, there's something about this that we need to pick out what that new way, those sorts of things um, so that when we do go back to quote a new normal or whatever we call it, um, that we retain that. And, and I think that's where the shift is now going to come, that there is an impact on the business, that we're able to be more agile, deliver things faster, and that will make every leader, leader perk up their head. <laughs> I, I think this puts to bed finally the, the, the rubbish around, oh, people aren't productive, people, it won't work, we won't build a team dynamic. What I would say yes. is that it takes a very different type of leadership skill to manage virtually, to uh, managing everybody virtually. Some people say, well, you know, we've been remote working for years and I'm, I'm a great leader in that scenario. It's very, very different. And, and yeah, so and that's I another reason for new leadership skills. Absolutely. And I think the other thing um, that I see with this is not everyone is going to work, want to work from home. No. So just like everyone has experienced COVID-19 in their own way. I mean, I have four kids and so I'm home with four <laughs> kids and working. Um, so my experience has been very different from someone who is say in a small apartment by themselves in an yep. urban environment and can't get out and have green space, etc. And I think similarly, when the shutters do come up, there will be people who are desperate to get into the totally. office and, have that totally. social and people in between. And people in between. Exactly. And I mean, I, I have loved the family time. I've loved the opportunity to be able to exercise more. And yep. I don't want to give that up. And, and why should you? Think, why should you? Exactly. I, yeah. Exactly. I, I think that so this, I have a passionate belief that, you know, traditionally we've managed groups or types or stereotypes of people. Um, be that an extrovert or somebody of a personal, a particular faith or whatever. We love labels and groups. I think this is also going to accelerate the, for leaders, what actually, forget the labels that they come with. What does Ali need? What does Tom need? What does Neil need? What, what's going on in their world? What, how more adaptive, individualized leadership? I, I think that's the future as well. Do you, do you have a view on that? Uh, well, uh, it's interesting you say that. I was just talking with a colleague um, the other day around how this new way of working can really accelerate the inclusion agenda. Totally. So, yeah. I, I mean, it will. I mean, you yeah. think about the things that, you know, seen or unseen, you know, unconscious bias training and such has been around forever and ever. And so much of unconscious bias has to do with, with seeing someone in person and, and the, um, the, the, uh, basically the opinions that you form when you see that person in person. Yeah. Um, and when you work virtually or when you work across geographies, you don't see those things. 
So I truly think that from an inclusion perspective, that will really help. Yep. I also think, um, you know, there's something about when you work virtually, it's about delivery. It's not about schmoozing in the canteen <laughs> and over coffee. <laughs> Very true. It's, it's about delivering, you know, yep. I mean, I can't stay on the phone all day with my colleagues. So, you know, people have to get off and they have to work and they're delivering so fast. And so people will now hopefully be rewarded on their performance of their delivery rather than, you know, I, got in the office a lot earlier and stayed a lot later and had a lot more coffees with all the right people. So it's going to give us a, it's going to give us a level playing field. Yeah, it's, I it's going so. to give us all, a, if it's done right, it's going to give a fair advantage. And I, I think the leaders that are managing this situation well were the good leaders before they managed through dialogue, they managed through trust, they managed through openness. Yes, this is stretching them, but uh, in some ways this is sorting the, the, the wheat from the chaff but let, let me ask you as so i it's been interesting to hear your perspective and i know it's it's early days but when you do pull up the shutters or as you're preparing to pull up the shutters what is the global head of talent at an organization like edeco what are some of the things that you are tangibly going to do or seriously thinking about to prepare the organization for the new normal well, I'm really lucky because timing wise, <laughs> we as an organization are also in the midst of um, a new strategy cycle. Yep. So we will be launching a new strategy in January of 2021 and it will be a three year strategy. So I, this could not be a more incredible moment for, for me and my role because not only can I be a part of that strategy creation yep. and how it then affects our people and how as leaders we help to drive that strategy but coming out of COVID-19 we can put a different lens on it and we can really be bold we can yep. really be innovative we can look at it differently and now I don't have to go trying to do a sell job on why <laughs> new and different ways of working are important everybody yep. gets it so interestingly, just today, I, um, I participated in a workshop around the strategy creation um, where we focused on the culture and what's the type of culture that we need in the future to be able to facilitate the new strategy. And more importantly, knowing that we have new ways of working, what is the leadership style that we, we need to ensure that we are um, encouraging and driving. So we are already we have hands on deck as we speak yeah, starting yeah. to create that new narrative. Um, and we've got, and, and what's great about it is that we have a, a, a very um, collaborative culture. So the people who are participating in creating that come from all geographies, all parts of the business, not just leaders, but the people who um, are, are experiencing it, you know, sitting in branches and offices throughout, throughout the countries. Um, so it's a, um, yeah, it's a, a really exciting time, but we are, we are, our intention is to be bold and different. Um, our intention now is to take advantage of COVID-19 and not go back to old ways of working. Our intention is to make sure that, you know, I, I don't want to sound like a, a Pollyanna and that everything is, is perfect <laughs> and positive uh, because we also recognize that in new ways of working, some people might be left behind. Yep. So what, what does that mean? Does that mean those people are no longer in the organization or does that mean we need to help those people come along? Um, so That's a really I think, good question. I think, 
It's yeah. a really good I question. And it depends on the deal you've got with your people. I mean, it, uh, organizational agility, we need to see that like we've never seen it before. A, a right level of flexibility in terms of how colleagues uh, work and perform for the organization. But uh, I think there almost needs to be some kind of pact with employees which says, look, this is, this is how we work. This is what we need in order to survive and grow. Do you want to sign up for that? Uh, yep. can you sign up for it can we help you and if we and you don't feel that you can let's have a conversation absolutely absolutely it's kind of the leadership contract 2.0 <laughs> yeah totally totally Ali yeah. that's it that's amazing thank you thank you for for that um, you've given us a really beautiful insight into how an organization brand such as yours is not just dealing with COVID-19, but actually saying, okay, let, <laughs> let's ride COVID-19 and see what we can get out of this, this sort of bucking bronco that is the global virus. So, so that's absolutely amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. And I tell you, I, you know, you read the headlines and they're all doom and gloom, but I yeah. think there's some really, really amazing stuff that's going to come out of this. Like you said, I think people are going to be reflecting on their lives and their futures in a way like never before. And I think as employers, um, we can do a lot to help support people in this time and really create something that we've never seen before. And I think you know, I feel very fortunate to be in this line of work right now. Uh, it just, it couldn't be more exciting. It's a great line of work. And, and final thought for me, it, it reminds me of that uh, Anita Roddick quote, which was, we were looking for uh, employees, but people turned up. I think that's been loud oh, and clear through this. Yes. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you, Tom. I got so much energy and hope from Ali. Uh, but as always with Ali, it was doused in a good sense of reality. It made me think that if I was the CEO or CHRO, Batgirl and Robin in this moment, I'd be pushing through the culture change that I've been really wanting to do or needing to do for ages. I think COVID-19 yeah. gives you the, the cover to do that. And, and beyond that, bring the commercial people and the talent people into the same room and create one way forward for the business. Uh, you know, yeah. never before has the concepts of great brands being built inside out through people been more relevant. And in order to do that, is now not a good time to re-energize your organizational purpose? What do you think, Clance? I, I, well, this thing about purpose we've been talking about for a while and it became a bit of a buzzword, but I think you're absolutely right. If ever there was a time for us to stop and think and say we could do this differently, because by the way, we're already doing it differently out of necessity. Now, now is that time. Yeah, and I think to underpin that, I'd also be working out the deal I have with my people and to what extent yeah. I can and should individualize that. You know, we live in a, as consumers, we live in a world where the consumer experience, be it jeans or cars or sneakers, we buy them in an individualized way, toned to what we want out of them. So I, I, I would be saying as a leadership team, look, this is what I need from you, but this is what I will give you in return, accepting that many employees will have a different need from work compared to what they started the year with. You know, one of the things, I don't want to be political, and this is a politics-free zone, but some of the government's announcements in the UK this week about return to work while schools are shut will, will have emphasized that, you know, people are thinking about how do I balance work and non-work uh, like I've never done before, you know, you, you've I, probably I, had I, a few sleepless nights. 
I've had many, I've, I've had some very long days this week and, I, and I'm very grateful to the UK government for providing that opportunity. I, I think um, you, you make some good points there and, and uh, it sort of catches up on what Ali said. She said at one point, um, it, this, is, this is about change and, and how we experience physically going into work, it could be really different now. She talks about temperature checking on the way yeah. in and, and about you know, social distancing in canteens and at the, the coffee machines. Those things will physically feel so different. But actually, and I think more importantly, how we now want as employees at all levels, and you know, my, my level, all levels, to experience work has changed. And that's a huge amount now to what we've been through individually in the last seven or eight weeks. And, and also part of what externally the world can provide us. You know, childcare and schools is a huge hurdle to getting lots of people back to work. It so is that indeed. whole experience and how we want to experience it, it's, it's super important, isn't it? Um, anyway, and that extends to all sorts of dependent care. So I think you're right. I think our relationship with work has changed uh, as, as individuals. Our individual relationship with work has changed. And this is a really great opportunity uh, for organisations uh, to, to sort of grasp that and say, right, well, it's, it's had to change because we have no choice. But there's some really good stuff in there. And perhaps we should look at things a little bit differently. And that whole idea of individualising work. I think we can definitely move a bit further down that road as a, as a consequence of this. I, I think one of the, uh, so Neil and I in the next episode are going to talk about the role of organizational values. And for me, that's about underpinning purpose. And I'm very cynical about organizational values. I think it's largely a bit of bollocks um, because they don't <laughs> make it. you made that clear on many occasions. <laughs> <laughs> they don't make it off the mug or the mouse mass. Um, but, you know, that, that contract, that deal that you then bring to life with your people, I, I think uh, now is a really good time to do that. So we're going to be speaking to a head of uh, internal comms and corporate affairs uh, in order to look at that and, and the role of values moving forward. But I think that's it for this, this episode, Clancy. I think, I think we're done. I we're think done. That, that, that was good. Just out the starting blocks very well. Um, if anybody wants to uh, message us, please uh, get in contact uh, via the at Hysterionics Twitter feed. Uh, we look forward to hearing people with their ideas and suggestions. But uh, so we go to the pub, Clance? Well, gee, I'd love to go to the pub, Tom, but I'm not sure just at the moment that's something we can do. So, um, so oh, Jim, Jim, Jam, Jim Jam's in a Zoom with a bottle of Lambrusco. Jim Jam's a Zoom. Sounds fantastic. <laughs> I'm just going to get changed. <laughs> Thank you. Bye.